0: Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. What's going on, Vikings fans? It is great to have you with me. The Vikings take on the Cincinnati Bengals in a battle of backup quarterbacks. With four games left, the Vikings control their own destiny they win out they win the division we're going to talk about the key matchups here in the game against the Bengals and what the vikings need to do to get the victory but before we do if you haven't already done so please subscribe to purple and gold for days on youtube as well as the vikings first and skull youtube page and help us grow this vikings community saturday night the detroit lions take on the surging denver broncos who uh, now are up to seven wins Detroit is favored by five points in that game. I'm anticipating a Detroit Lions victory, but I really do hope I really do hope that Russell Wilson can find enough magic like he did against us. And that Lions defense is putrid. Their offense is off the charts when they get blocking, but they're going to have something for the Lions. Now, again, my official prediction is that the Lions are going to squeak out a three-point win. The suddenly surging 5-8, and eight, according to some Chicago Bears. Oh, they can still make the playoffs. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. You're 5-8. and eight, You're barely hanging on. I know the NFC is a bit of a weak conference, and I know that you're only a game out of a playoff spot, but no. Now, you're going to go into Cleveland. Cleveland only favored by three points, but the Cleveland Browns are going to uh, mollywop the Chicago Bears by at least 10 points. And finally, the Green Bay Packers. Holding on to that seven seed, they are hosting the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they finally have caught up to Atlanta and New Orleans, and they're going to want to keep that Green Bay favored by three and a half. Green Bay's defense, just when you thought they were out, they pull you back in. They look good. They look good for fifty-eight minutes. Get a turnover. Get the Packers' offense and Jordan Love in a position. They score a touchdown, and they give up the ghost <laughs> to uh Danny DeVito's younger brother (laughs) oh how delicious it was in fact Cesar Romero here this is one of the best jokers laughs of all time I hope it doesn't come in too loud but with the Packers losing on Monday Night Football we will always say this (laughs) (laughs) oh how delicious it is no it's always delicious when the Packers lose particularly when they're up with less than a minute to go And, oh, boy, oh, boy, it is absolutely delicious. So that's your NFC North Roundup, ladies and gentlemen. Injuries galore. Wow. A lot of injuries to a couple of key players. Alexander Madison, out. O'Neal, out. Oh, boy. This could be interesting. This could be interesting. Let's get the official report from the horse's mouth and Kevin O'Connell himself talking today ruling out a couple players. We will rule out three players. Alex Madison, uh, Jalen Naylor, and Brian O'Neill will all be um, out for this week. Go. To get them some work next week uh, in anticipation of maybe having them. Uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, Chris Reed will be questionable, um, and then Ed Ingram and Dalton Reisner uh, will not have a designation. Both got a full workload today, um, and will be ready to go. There were times where, as much as we want to blame Josh Dobbs for the pitiful offensive performance, there were times where, if that was Kirk Cousins, he would have got sacked. If that was Nick Mullins, he would have got sacked. The offensive line has descended a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Was hoping to get it fixed up during the bye week. They still have some room to improve. But my biggest concern was, yes, we survived. We won the game. We did enough. But when you start dropping offensive linemen like flies and you have to cut into your depth pieces, you can get away with that for the remainder of a game. But you don't want to be going into a game not having either one of your guards and your right tackle. When you have 60% of your offensive line starting the game on the bench and not playing and you have to dip into your depth pieces to start, that can be cumbersome. So I'm really, really glad that we're going to get Ed Ingram back. Didn't think I'd ever say those words. Kind of like last year when we said, we hope we got Garrett Bradbury back for the playoffs. Y'all remember that? But anyway, the point is this. I'm okay. I'm a lot better. Losing O'Neal is going to be tough, but, you know, Quinton did okay. And as long as he's the only one then we still got four out of the five starters, I'm okay with that. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Cincinnati defense is nothing special. Nothing special. Their team is built around offense. Obviously, when you're talking about Jamar Chase and Boyd, um who's the other guy higgins yeah it's going to be on the defense and we'll talk about that later but i think we'll be okay now running game again been clamoring for ty chandler didn't like the rotation that kevin o'connell has done this season well there won't be much of a rotation ty chandler is going to get the bulk of the carries bulk of the swing passes hopefully this notion that he can't pick up a blitz can be proven otherwise because yeah we don't have kirk cousins we have nick mullins who we'll talk about but we need to get that run game going. We need to be effective in our short passing game, swing passes to the running backs. Kevin O'Connell also did mention that CJ Ham will actually probably get a few touches there this Saturday as well. Okay, old reliable CJ Ham, you know, sage veteran, all that good stuff. Bottom line is we're going to miss O'Neal a little bit, and we're going to have to handcuff Quisenberry a little bit, but I feel good about it knowing that Ed Ingram and Dalton Reisner will be out there. As far as Jalen Naylor goes, again, you're going to have Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, you're going to be fine. Jalen Naylor, it's unfortunate, had high hopes for the guy, but for right now, yeah, I I don't see that as being too big of a loss. That was a, you know, somebody asked me on Monday show, was it a dirty hit on JJ? And I said, no, absolutely not. The hit on Jalen Naylor, that was some trash. That was some straight up trash. So best wishes to Jalen. Hopefully you get back next week against the Detroit Lions because we're going to need all hands on deck. But at the end of it for right now, Hopefully we don't have many injuries to the offensive line like we did against the Vegas Raiders. You can survive a game against the Raiders. They're terrible, except for tonight. Apparently you can survive against the Vegas Raiders. going want to against a team like Cincinnati, even without Joe Burrow in their house. Yeah, you're going to need all the equipment. So hopefully the injury bug was all out of our system last week. Nick Mullins has earned the starting position. I don't know if he's earned it as much as, hey, we've just been desperate. Record-setting number of starting quarterbacks for the Minnesota Vikings this season, okay? Record-setting number. This is our fourth starting quarterback this season. What's really hilarious about it is all off-season. well, Kirk Cousins never gets injured, so we don't have to worry about our backup quarterback situation. We just need to get a guy in here to develop. Well, now we have started four. Nick Mullins, come on down. You're the next contestant, in KOC's price is wrong. But I digress. Nick Mullins had a little something to say to the media about how excited he was, how excited his family was. Here we go. Nick Mullins. Yeah, they are, actually. They're very excited. Bless my wife. You know, she's like, I don't want to fly with a, you know, two little boys. But then ask a four-year-old, like, do you want to go? He's like, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, yeah. He wants to go. Let him go. So she's going to have to fly with him and uh, should be a fun experience. We certainly do hope it is a fun experience. Now, he did say he had two kids, but one of them was like two or three years old and he's going to stay home grandma or aunts and uncles or something but hope good thing we're going to cincinnati and not philadelphia for your first start not only from a team perspective from but from a fan's perspective as well so nick mullins he started 17 games regular season wise in his career he's 5 and 12 so let's temper our expectations a little bit i know we're just looking for something a little bit more consistent than josh dobbs okay not much of a bar to set but having said that Nick Mullins was given the start and we can all figure out why KOC wants to run the offense the way he ran it with Kirk cousins and Nick Mullins at the moment in his determination is the one who's going to be able to do the best with it. I'm not convinced, but then again, I'm not a head coach in the NFL and I'm not at practice every day. I am going to say this. I have wanted it to be Jaron Hall because I wanted not only a guy that has a balance between being a pocket passer and a runner. And I wanted to see him for what we got for the rest of the season, but what's done is done and what's gone is gone. Kirk cousins ain't walking through that door. So Nick Mullins gets the start. And Nick Mullins, let's, let's not act. And I've said this a few times. Nick Mullins has a propensity to turn the ball over. He's a bit of a gunslinger. I mean, he's not at the level of Josh Allen or Brett Favre, that sort of thing. But Total 27 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. Not exactly a good enough ratio. So for anybody going out there saying, oh, we just need Nick Mullins to run the offense, not turn the ball over and have us have our defense win. Okay, I can listen to that. That's good for a good regular season win. I feel a little bit better about it for our next two home games against Detroit and Green Bay out on the road in Cincinnati in December. I don't know. Having said that. I was just talking to my daughter earlier tonight and she's just like, it doesn't feel like it's 10 days away from Christmas. It doesn't feel like it's December in Minnesota. Yeah. We haven't had any snow yet. Of course, now that I said that we'll probably get two feet of snow by the end of next week, but Nick Mullins, got every opportunity in front of him. We talked about the offensive line. You're going to get 80% of your starting offensive linemen out there and a decent backup at right tackle. You don't have your starting running back, but we've already at nauseum gone through how maybe Alexander Madison is just a backup anyway. So you got your speedy running back and you got your wide receiver core healthy. I know right now Justin Jefferson is officially listed as questionable, but as I said earlier, 100% expect Justin Jefferson to play. I expect him to go for over 100 yards and at least one touchdown. He's going to want to show out He's going to want to get back onto the field because he was only out there for, what, a quarter last week, two catches, 27 yards before he got lit up. And as I said, going up against his old buddy Jamar Chase, oh, yeah, he's going to want to show something. As I said last week with Josh Dobbs, now that you have Justin Jefferson back, you've got all your weapons, but don't force the ball to him just to force the ball to him. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Just be you, Nick. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to be Kirk. You're not Kirk. That's okay. Just take... What the defense gives you off the bat. Don't turn the ball over. Okay. It seems like football one-on-one, but this Minnesota Vikings team has a propensity to turn the ball over. Okay. Defense. We'll talk about them shortly. They've been covering you. They said, we got your back last week. We'll just pitch a shutout, so all we need is a field goal. Oh, boy. One field goal is not going to get it done against the Bengals. With or without Joe Burrow, they still got their weapons, too. Talking about T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, et cetera, Boyd, and all those other guys. And Joe Mixon, he's no joke either. He is no joke. He is a bowling ball of a guy to tackle. So offensively, you have got to get at least 24 points on the board, at least offensively. Now, if you get 21 and you maybe get a defensive or a special teams touchdown, okay. But offensively, you got to have 21 to 24 points on the board. You cannot expect your defense to carry you all the time. Nick Mullins, okay. Coach has more faith in you than he does Jaron Hall. And say what you want about this, Coach, good, bad, or indifferent. So at the end of it for me, to wrap up, Nick Mullins, Hey, this is your time to shine. But I will say this to wrap up this Nick Mullins talk. Can we stop with this nonsense about, hey, can Nick Mullins do what Jeff George and Case Keenum did? Yeah, we've been saying that for a couple of weeks about Josh Dobbs. How about we let the guy play a game or two before we talk about what Nick Mullins can and cannot do vis-a-vis getting this Vikings team to a playoffs? Yes, Case Keenum came in in game two and had a magic carpet ride. That's all well and good, culminating with the Minneapolis miracle. No, it didn't culminate with the NFC championship game because after drive one, we didn't do two things but diddly and poo. But I digress. Jeff George. Yes, he came in at the halfway point of game six and started the remaining 10 games, win eight and two, still lost in the division around the playoffs to the eventual champions in the St. Louis Rams. But let's just let the guy play a little bit. Let's just rely on our defense for right now before we start talking about can we go on another magic carpet ride with another backup quarterback? We've been saying that since Kirk Cousins went down. Let's let's slow our roll there. <laughs> Please let's slow our roll there. Jaron Hall, the Hall Monitor was given the backup position. Finally, finally, he's moving up the ranks. He should have never been behind as far as he was anyway, in my opinion. But let's hear from Kevin O'Connell, see what he had to say real quick about why he decided to put Jared Mahomes Hall as his backup quarterback on the off chance something happens to Nick Mullins. We're going to go in with Jaron as the two and Josh as the emergency three. They'll, uh, they'll all be obviously suited up. We'll go through our normal process with those guys, uh, with this game plan, making sure whoever's in the game that uh, they feel good about the things that I'm calling and, you know, the way this season's going, we're, we're, we're have a process in place and I'll be prepared for just about everything. Yes, I've had high hopes for Jaron Hall. I was hoping that he would be able to sit this season under the tutelage of Kevin O'Connell and watch Kirk Cousins and that whole thing got blown up. I like this kid. I really do. He exudes leadership. He exudes qualities in a quarterback. Yeah. Is he as talented as Kirk Cousins? No, not yet. And probably unlikely to be by the end of his career, but who knows? But I like this kid. Again, he's the perfect balance between the mobile quarterback and the pocket quarterback. That's why I wanted to see him out there. And I said, if Kevin O'Connell decides to put Josh Dobbs as the backup quarterback and Jaron Hall as the emergency third quarterback, I would have been irate. I wish nothing but the best for Nick Mullins. We cheer on whoever our team is out there on the field. It's not like we're hoping it goes bad so that Jaron Hall can get in there or we're hoping for injury. That's not at all what we're saying. We want our team to win every game they go out there. But having said that, I'm really happy. Because we're one step closer because obviously that means that all of this nonsense about, well, Jared Hall is not ready for this. So we don't want to put him out there in a situation where he might not succeed. Well, isn't that what you did with Josh Dobbs, putting him out there in a position to not succeed to a certain extent? I'm not letting Josh Dobbs off the hook here. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just so happy that we finally get to see him at least be elevated to the backup quarterback. And if something happens, I like our chances. I said right that I've said it for weeks. I would start Hall the rest of the season to see what we got, and because I think he's the, the 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 best quarterback we have on roster right now. Now I'm a little biased because it's finally a guy that we drafted, and it's a guy that I want to work, I want to work out long term for us. But we're one step closer to Jeremiah Holmes Hall. So we'll see. We'll see. Did you guys hear what Kirk Warner said? Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback on his YouTube channel or his podcast or whatever the heck it was. I put it up there onto something or on something. Well, actually I didn't put it up there that way because it wouldn't fit in the little box there, but is Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner onto something or on something. He says that Josh Dobbs should still be the starting quarterback. He says that Josh Dobbs, it wasn't all his fault that he watched the tape and the receivers weren't getting open. And Kevin O'Connell wasn't play calling good routes for him and his receivers. And that there were a lot of drop passes. Okay, there were two drop passes, one by TJ Hawkinson, one by KJ Osborne. I'll give him that. But Josh Dobbs looked so terrible. And he had plenty of opportunities to say that Josh Dobbs never had any open receivers. Yeah, Justin Jefferson and got him killed darn near. But it does raise an interesting question, because I did have a chance to quickly review some of what he said and some of the videos that he had on the YouTube clip. And yeah, some of the routes were easily defendable because you had multiple guys in the same spot where literally one defender could realistically account for two wide receivers in the route. So I'm going to half agree with Warner by saying that Josh Dobbs wasn't entirely put into a position to be successful. But to say that Josh Dobbs should still be the starting quarterback, I'm sorry, you're on something. If you think Josh, there is a reason this guy has bounced around five teams this year alone was one in whatever, one in seven, one in eight with the Arizona Cardinals. He came in, and he was an element of surprise. But guess what? That lasted a game and a half, and he was so bad against Chicago and so bad against the Raiders that it's not just about one game. It's about basically two and a half games where he has done absolutely nothing. The Vikings, three points second half against the Saints, 10 points against Chicago, and three points against the Raiders two and a half games. And you're talking about 16 points. Yeah. Maybe Kevin O'Connell didn't do as good a job as he needed to. Maybe he should have dumbed down the offense a little bit. Maybe he was too prideful, but to say that Josh Dobbs should still be our starting quarterback. (laughs) Come on, dude. Now, listen, you're the hall of fame quarterback. You know more about this stuff. You'll forget more about this stuff than I'll ever know. Is Kurt Warner onto something or is he just straight up on something? I don't know. Like I said, I'm not willing to say he's totally crazy because there's some parts of that that are true about maybe Kevin O'Connell didn't do the best job, but to say that he should still be the starter. I'm sorry. I ain't listening to that. I'm not listening to that at all. Ivan Pace, congratulations on the Defensive Player of the Week. As I said on Sunday night show with RAP and on my Monday night show, it would be a Greek tragedy if Ivan Pace hadn't gotten the NFL Defensive Player of the Week. Well-deserved with his performance, 13 tackles, five solos, a sack, and an interception, an interception that sealed the game. And, again, I can't talk enough about Josh Metellus and how well he has adapted himself to Brian Flores, as well as Cam Bynum. Both of those safeties are just absolutely on top of the world. I said it on Monday that Harrison Smith was the third safety, and somebody was like, he's not the third. Okay, what I meant by that is production-wise, Harrison Smith is just being the old wily veteran. I wasn't saying it like there's a depth chart. Of course, I know Harrison Smith's like the starting you know safety back there. But the point is we run so many three safety sets that pretty much all three of them are starters. But what I'm saying is, and again, Harrison Smith is still coming on blitzes every once in a while, hasn't gotten to the quarterback, I think, since either San Francisco or, or did he, uh, was it Carolina. I don't remember the last time. But he's come on some blitzes every once in a while, and a lot of times they've ended up being run plays. But him being back there as the standing force, allowing Bynum and Josh Metellus to do their thing, It's unbelievable what Brian Flores has done. And again, Marcus poop, we're not hearing from him. I seriously doubt he's going to be back. I mean, nothing personal against the guy, but $13 million, you're stealing. You're absolutely stealing. But hey, he ain't the one who gave himself that contract. So I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying I I, I would love to know what this defense would have been with him. And mind you, this is with the guy who was ultimately the heart and soul of this defense, Jordan Hicks, having gone down. His last couple of games, they haven't missed a beat without him. Now, hopefully we can get him back. I've said, yes, next week is the first official week that he could theoretically come back. He ain't going to be back next week. The very earliest he would be back against the Packers on New Year's Eve, and I still doubt he'll be there. And I dare say that if we've got the whole thing wrapped up or we can't move anything in Week 18 against Detroit, we won't see him, but really need him back for the playoffs because the competition level is going to go up. And I'm not taking anything away from what Flores and the defense has done because you go on the road and pitch a shutout, I don't care who you're playing, particularly a team that's got, what, 42 points on the board in the first half of their Thursday night football game on three days rest. So that makes the defensive performance look even better than what it really was in reality. In reality, it was outstanding, and now it looks just supernatural, apparently. Either that or the Chargers defense is just that horrible. But anyway, all I'm going to say is this defensively you're going to need to carry the water and you're going to need to carry the water for the rest of the season unless nick mullins really finds his rhythm and is unless nick mullins does turn into jeff george and case keenum which slow our roll on that defense it's your team now we went into this we're going to get rid of Zimmer. We're going to get an offensive-minded head coach. We're going to find a guy that can get something more out of Kirk Cousins and all this other good stuff. We're going to be an offensive team. And last year, for the most part, we were. And that was what the idea was coming into this season. But since Kirk Cousins went down, this, def- well, this defense had been steadily improving even before Kirk went down. Yeah, started off 0-3 while they were still trying to get their things together. Started off 1-4 and after that. But the defense is part of the reason why, although Debo Samuel not being there might have had a little something to do with it as as well as Trent Williams. But the defense has been the reason we've been winning these games, because it sure hasn't been the offense. Even in Kurt's last game, 24 points against the Packers. Yeah, that's good. But it ain't great. You only gave up 10 points. OK, this defense has gotten better and better each week. They haven't missed Marcus Davenport. They haven't missed Jordan Hicks. Would love to get at least Hicks, if not both of those guys, back for the playoff run, as we said. But having said that, you're going to have to carry. And they've got a challenge. You can talk all you want about Browning. Talk all you the back that Joe Burrow's not there. Yeah, If Joe Burrow was there, I would say that the Vikings were going to lose by at least 10 points even with how well this defense is played until we see something of consequence and consistency from our offense. But for right now, defense, you got to get Jake Browning off of his spot. You cannot let that guy get into rhythm with Jamar chase, T Higgins and Boyd and Joel Mixon. He's still got weapons around him too. You know, we talk about Nick Mullins having uh, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. Okay. Jamar chase T Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd. They're right there. That might be the two best wide receiver duo plus tight ends in the NFL. So we're going to see a lot of mirror images in these offenses. And for right now, anyway, I would say Cincinnati's offense is a touch higher than ours because their backup quarterback has been in there. Now, the downside of that and where the Vikings might have an advantage is we saw what happened when you put in a backup quarterback. They're usually good for a game or two, and then you get film on them, and then we say, okay, okay. There's a reason why this guy is a backup. There's a reason why this guy is just who he is. There's a reason the Vikings let him go. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, we couldn't possibly have somebody that could have challenged uh, Kirk Cousins for the starting position, but I digress. Point is this. Hopefully, Brian Flores be able to get enough. He's gotten enough tape on this guy to say, okay, I see what he does well. I know what he does well, and I know his smell, as Paul Allen would say. Hopefully, Brian Flores be able to continue to bring the pressure. But here's what I will say. The cornerbacks and the safeties are going to have to be on their P's and Q's because Brian Flores is probably going to bring more pressure than he did last week. Last week he just rushed three or four at most times because he knew the quarterback wasn't going to be able to hurt him, uh, focused in on the run game. You are going to need to focus in on stopping Joe Mixon. You absolutely are going to need to do that. There's that he's no joke. And he, you've got to be form tacklers. You have to be, you can't be missing tackles left and right against this guy. Otherwise, he'll run off 15, 20 yards at a time. He's still, he's still got it going on right now. And as I was saying about the cornerbacks, they're going to be putting a lot of one-on-one situations. They are because I think Flores is going to blitz the heck out of this guy. So Byron Murphy, Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, you guys are up. You got a challenge, but guess what? You face Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison in practice every week. So if any team defensively is going to be prepared to go up against that dynamic duo is the team that goes up against a rather comparable dynamic duo Every day in practice. So I'll say this: It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be close. The 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 Vikings ain't beating nobody forty two to nothing. (laughs) They're not beating anybody forty two to thirty five. It's going to have to be a one defensively, and that's just how it's going to have to be for the rest of the season. You know, you got two games against the Lions. Their defense is terrible, but their offense is on point. It's going to have to be about Brian Flores and this defense moving forward. Unless, as I said, Nick Mullins can you know, catch some fairy dust and go on a magic carpet ride. So defensively be on your P's and Q's. Keep doing what you've been doing. Knock somebody, you know, get to Brownie, get him off his spot early. Make him feel you early. Let him have happy feet to try to neutralize Jamar chase and T Higgins and company and stop that run game. In fact, I would venture to say, stop the run at all costs and let your DBs go one-on-one. And I think that's probably what his strategy is going to be. They're going to run blitz, and they're going to pass blitz, and they're going to leave their cornerbacks on islands, which it could either be, uh, you know, uh, what's the phrase? Biblically, whatever. It's either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. I don't think it's going to be anywhere in the middle. Anywhere in the middle historically good or biblically bad that's the phrase i was looking for it's either going to be historically good or biblically bad but i think our cornerbacks can be up to the challenge. particularly if we can get some pressure that's going to be the key to this game defensively and like i said i don't expect them to hold the bengals to 14 points or less that's an unrealistic expectation you hold that team to 14 points you dang well better win that game unlike a couple weeks ago where we held the bears to 12 points and still found a way to lose Lost two games by a total of three points. Defense deserved better in both of those games. But with all that being said, defense, you got your work cut out for you. But I think you're going to be up to the challenge. But we'll see. So there was a report on Score North that some cap guy projected Kirk Cousins' potential contract after this season. Two years, $60 million. To that I say, well, maybe I could see that. My stance on Kirk Cousins is clear. I think we've gone as far as we can with him now. Yes, this year with this defense and this offensive line playing together, maybe instead of getting to the divisional round, which is what I've said, his cap has always been maybe would have pushed through. I'm going to say this right now, just to be clear, even with Kirk Cousins, let's just say we hadn't lost Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. We were one and four with those guys. So the only two games that we lost were Denver and Chicago. Yes, I think we would have won against Denver and Chicago. And then instead of being seven and six, we'd be nine and four. We're still not better than Dallas. We're still not better than San Francisco, and I don't care that we beat them. They weren't at full strength. They're at full strength now, and they are full tank coming for everybody, and they're taking no prisoners. But if we had to go on the road to San Francisco, even with Kirk Cousins, no, uh, I don't like our chances. In Philly, no, don't like our chances. Even in Dallas, don't like our chances. But having said that, what I have always said was I am not interested in bringing Kirk Cousins back on a $45, 50000000 million a year deal for a 36-year-old quarterback who's just coming off an Achilles. I said that even more because I'll remind people with all these void years and dead money that they've pushed out and kicked the can down the road. Kirk cousins has 28 and a half million dollars of liability left on the cap. If they don't resign him, all 28 and a half will be due and be dead money on the 2024 cap. Now, if they extend him for, let's just say two years, then of that 28 and a half million, 10.25 will go on both 24 and 25. And then the other eight will be due in 26 unless they extend them again. I am not interested in bringing Kirk Cousins back on a 40, $45 million contract, because then his cap hit would be 50 to 55 million. That ain't going to work. You're not going to be able to do that. Resign Justin Jefferson, resign Christian Derrissaw and re-sign Daniel Hunter. And even if you found a way to have all four of those guys back by kicking money down the road, you still wouldn't have any money to maintain this team, or you'd be pushing money into the future. Now, two years, 60 million. I still don't like the idea, but I could live with that. I could live with it because then his cap hits would be 40 and 40 for that two-year extension. I still don't like it. It's still not a move that I would make. But if the Vikings were going to re-sign him, that is the maximum I would give him. I'd offer him two years, 45 million, to which he would reject. And the highest I would go is two years, 60 million. But for all of the people that don't want Kirk back, let's be very, very clear about one thing. This segment was going to be short because it's much ado about nothing. There is no way, no way Kirk Cousins is accepting a two-year, $60 million deal. He's not. He was lighting it up. He has seen the NFL lose all of their starting quarterbacks and how much bad quarterback play there is. He saw Daniel Jones get $40 million on average. There is no chance on God's green earth. There is no planet in the multiverse. I don't care if you're DC or Marvel, whatever multiverse you follow, there is no way In the multiverse, that Kirk Cousins would take two years, 60 million. Now, if it's March and he takes that, I'll bring this tape back up and I'll say I was wrong. But what I don't want more than anything, I don't want the Vikings to feel like they are so desperate that they just give in to Kirk's demands and give him 40, 45 million a year. If that happens, I will be upset. If they somehow got Kirk Cousins for 30 million a year for two years, okay, I guess. But again, I'm still talking about a 35-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles. So. so with all that, the Vikings will have a considerable challenge against the Bengals. One, it's December, on the road, outdoors. Two, they have just as many weapons offensively as the Vikings do. As I have said, it is a pretty comparable team. You've got Chase, Higgins, and Boyd versus Jefferson, Addison, and Hawkinson. And you got two backup quarterbacks. Outside of Joe Mixon over Ty Chandler, it's pretty, pretty comparable. The Vikings defense has been the strength of this team, particularly since Kirk Cousins went down, and they will need to again be the side of the ball that ultimately carries. Hopefully, with Nick Mullins now at the quarterback to provide a little bit of stability, the offense will be able to do enough to not force the defense to be the side of the ball that completely wins the game. This team, while it might be able over the next four games to win with an offense that's just okay and a dominant defense, That's only going to get you so far. And against the Cincinnati Bengals, this is a good test of what you can become if Nick Mullins can provide that stability and if the Vikings' defense can continue to dominate. As I said earlier, I do believe that Brian Flores is going to bring the pressure, more so than he has the last couple of games. As we saw on Thursday Night Football, which I still am utterly baffled, that the Vegas Raiders put up 63 points. Is that an indication of how good our defense is? Is that an indication of how bad the Chargers defense is? Or did we just catch them at the right time? Either way, you're not going to be able, more than likely, to pitch a shutout against the Bengals. And they're 7-6-2, and their playoff hopes are on the line as well. This is going to be a difficult challenge, but not an impossible one. You will not be able to go on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals, even against another backup quarterback, and win if you're turning the ball over or don't win the turnover margin. I'm hoping that the Vikings' defense will be able to limit the Bengals to about 14 to 17 points. That's a reasonable expectation, even on the road. But offense, you're going to have to do more. Now, hopefully, Justin Jefferson will actually be able to finish the game and get back on track. My prediction of him getting 1,200 yards, which I made after he came back from injury, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. But never doubt Justin Jefferson. In addition to that, hopefully, Jordan Addison can return to form as well. Haven't seen a whole lot of him since Josh Dobbs took over. But most importantly is that running game. With no Alexander Madison, you are going to need to be stout. You don't have as much depth when only having Ty Chandler, Kenny Wongwu, and, oh, by the way, a little bit of C.J. Ham, perhaps. Offensive line, we've got four out of the five starters, which is about the best we can hope for this time of year. And as I said earlier, I was a little concerned. It's one thing to have depth but it's another thing when you've had three or four guys in one game go out and ultimately having to start some of your backups. Starting one backup, okay, you can work around that. Luckily, we have Dalton Reisner and, I never thought I'd say it, Ed Ingram back as well. When it is all said and done, my prediction, Vikings 24, Bengals 21, we squeak out the victory, we get one step closer to the playoffs, one step closer to this division title, and then we will have a nice Christmas Eve date. With the Detroit Lions. Programming note Saturday morning, 11 10 Central Time. I will be live on Purple and Gold for days with the Purple and Gold pregame show, as well as over on the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page, live at the Two Minute Warning. Programming note part two No two old bloggers this week, as live at the Two Minute Warning will be taking over that slot. Thank you kindly, as always, for joining me. And for now, Skull to the next episode. You are listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.